Hey, can you hear me? Yes. How do I sound? Excellent. Excellent. Great. Yeah, I'm in the car. I should be home in a couple of minutes, but I thought, let's go get this started because I think uh, the bell's ringing soon. Ding, ding. Okay. Yeah, I would have done this yesterday, too, but I got the vibe well, and Bruce still wanted to do it, but I, I guess it's just, this is not their week. Yeah, yeah fair enough. I know yeah. Will was at Calamity. Okay. I was wondering if there was a LARP. Uh, there was a LARP last week or not, so I'm just so yeah, out of Bruce, touch Bruce with that. Just- I think Bruce has just been kind of having a rough time. Oh, I heard. Yeah, it's like, it's, when it rains, it pours. Yep, yep. All right. Uh, but, yeah, I, this was fun rewatching this one because uh, it's like every bad thing in it is actually like almost a like brilliantly bad that it works. Like I've said before, like Stallone's been kind of a uh, really hit and miss director. This one, he got everything wrong right. Yeah, I I was surprised at how much I liked this one. Yeah, I, I mean that's what I've said before. Like the best Rocky, I mean Rocky itself is a fantastic movie, but it's not like the Rocky franchise. That's just the first movie of the Rocky sequels. This is the best one. Then then, the, uh, then I guess you go know, Creed would be the next one after that. But uh, this is the one that works because it's like, the most like there's details in it that work better, and it's like I don't know. Salome sort of figured out the formula finally. Well, I mean, I I wonder, and I don't know if we want to wait until we actually start the podcast on that, is how much Stallone was cognizant of what he was writing about. See, this is what's interesting. Uh, I did some research, but we can talk about that, too, because this script went through a lot of rewrites, and then when Hulk came on, he got a lot better grasp because of what he, he had to work with, so... All right, I'll go ahead and start doing the intro. I'm going to do a little funny intro to start with. Uh, so uh, okay. get, get ready to throw Mr. Tifu in in a second. Okay. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Good, the Bad, and the Nerdy Movie Podcast. Adrian, come here. We're doing a podcast. I pity the fool that doesn't watch this podcast. What? Uh, rock my heart. My heart. Ah, all right, everybody. Uh, yes, this, uh, my name is Tom. I'm your host, and that is our uh, that is John. He is uh, my co-host this week. We are covering as part of our th- part three series, one of the greatest part threes of all time from 1982, from director, writer, and star Sylvester Stallone, Rocky Three. And honestly, I enjoyed this a whole lot more than I thought I was going to. I've I've vaguely remembered this just being Mr. T running around making a fool of himself. And actually there was a lot more plot in here and a lot more story and a lot more to unpack than I originally thought there might be. Yeah, this is one where I, I've said it before like Rocky itself is a classic but it's not like the rest of the Rocky films. Rocky 3 is the best Rocky sequel because it's the one that basically Stone figured out the this, this formula right and got the plot, the characters down right. And really, just the uh, the atmosphere is the best. I think as a director, this was his best work. I mean, <laughs> by no, far. I, I agree. Now, I have a what may be considered a controversial take. Um, my my wonder here is: is Clubber Lang the good guy and Rocky the bad guy? This is where it gets interesting because what's even weirder is if you look at Mike Tyson's career, he basically follows. 
Clubber Lang like strategies. Like Clubber Lang is like more of his his uh, like model than anything else up until he gets knocked out. But the way he gets when Buster Douglas knocked him out, he's basically doing like Rocky does in this movie. Like this movie, you know, Mike Tyson's career is fascinating because you know, same thing. Yeah. Tyson was was notorious for knocking him out in the first or second round. Yeah, because if you if you look at sort of the story arc of Clubber Lang, what you got is this white guy who came, took the title away from a black guy, and then promptly started ducking any fight where he might possibly lose. Yeah, which if is I actually Clubber, the... I'd be yeah. angry. Oh yeah, and the thing is, my this is a this. Much the story of how a lot of boxers' careers would go. They, you know, their their book their managers would never let them fight the the the, the real challenge because they knew what would happen. Like you know, Ali had to like really uh, argue, you know, fight his way back into getting a match against Foreman because they wouldn't. You know, it was like Don, you know, it wasn't going to happen. Nobody Foreman wasn't. They wouldn't put Foreman against Ali. And same thing with you know a lot a lot of great boxers. Like yeah, the the, but, the best guy would never get the title shot because of politics. Right, because looking at it from that light, Clever Lang is really kind of justified in his anger. I mean, obviously he's angry and he's a little uncouth, but he's, you know, he's the regular guy who lives in an apartment and is training to be the best he can. And here comes Rocky, who's living in the mansion, meeting this piggy on the Muppets and just absolutely blowing off any possibility of actually fighting him. Yeah, and the and uh, you know the movie starts with the great bit, which I, I I I always applaud when a sequel does is it does a little recap of what happened in the last movie is Rocky beat uh, Apollo. Basically, they knocked each other out, and Rocky was the one who got to his feet, and Apollo couldn't. You know, basically right. slipped. This, you know, they make the they they constantly point out Apollo basically slipped. He was he was he could have gotten up too. He just had bad uh, uh, didn't have a good uh, uh, foothold. Right, and you know. So and that was Rocky, Frank Stallone's music there, wasn't it, for the recap? Uh, a little bit. Uh, Frank, I mean, all these movies have Frank Stallone in it. So. Yeah, I, I really have to figure that that um, Sylvester Stallone must really love his brother because those songs are not, not great. I mean, uh, give me an idea. The next year uh, in '83, Staying Alive, he he directs, which uh, he let Frank write all the music and sing all the music. And let's be honest. I've covered this on my pod, on this podcast for Staying Alive is one of the worst movies ever made. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like the most like overkill, like uh, so many bad details. That, and they, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Frank did the, the, the some of the music in Rambo, too, if I recall correctly. Yeah, he does. He does some of the music in Rambo. He does a song in Rhinestone, ironically enough. Uh, well, that's, that's a little harder to mess up, I guess. <laughs> but no, I mean thing like this film is such a unique period piece also because it really is a focus on kind of what the uh celebrity the sport boxing star was like too i mean it's he's tapping some details about ali's career he's tapping some uh, details about rocky marciano like he's tapping certain details for the script that work really well for this thing and let's point out we should a lot of people realize okay so mr t played clever this was his first right. act, major acting role. He had not even been on the A team yet. Uh, this was, uh, you know, he had won the America's toughest bouncer competition on NBC in 1981, <laughs> and Salone's people saw it and uh, showed it to him. He uh, said, "Let's let's hire him." Originally, they were going to get um, 
See, I'm trying to think who all they had. They had several like real famous boxers lined up, and were like acting skills were not that good. Oh, he, I I thought Mr. T. I mean, it was a relatively one note performance. I mean, he just sort of pitied the fool, and that's about it. But like I said, coming coming from where he came from, watching him in the apartment doing pull ups and sit ups, and like just sort of he's the the everyman in this movie trying to get his shot, you know, I, I think that Apollo Creed said, you know, he, he had that look that you had when you were coming after me. And I, I really saw that, 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 that Mr. T actually portrayed that really well, I think. Yeah. The hunger. I mean, the fires, like, and that's, and that's what Mickey kept saying. Mickey tells him early on before they even agreed is you don't have that. You don't have it anymore. You have skills, but you don't have the, the fire. Yeah. And that's a key. It's like, you know, Rocky's big thing in the first movie was, you know, he was not going to lose them. He was not going to, you know, take a knockout. He had in Rocky too. He was going to, he was going to win because he needed, he had to win kind of a deal. But the, uh, by the time we get to Rocky three, we get this montage where he's knocked out t- 10 other guys and, you know, and they were all basically like probably fourth or fifth you know, line in contention, uh, you know, but you know, Rocky doesn't pay attention to that because he's out, you know, living celebrity life. Mickey's the one who's basically doing all the behind the scenes. Oh stuff. my gosh! And if you look at Rocky's house, you can tell that this is the house of somebody who grew up poor and thought yep. this is what rich people should have. I thought that that was actually done pretty well. Yeah, and, you I know, mean, all the chandeliers and all the, the the room and all the stuff that just makes no sense that they're living okay, in this gigantic house. Before we get house. the robot too, I mean we. Don't- Spot in Rocky Four is like the definitive. Like Rocky does not understand to say no to things. <laughs> I mean, that's well, and that's the thing. It's like, and and really, Clubber Lane figures out too. It's Rocky who will say yes to any challenge. So he just has. To, he, he finally figured out. Yeah. I'm just gonna challenge him in front of the in front of a, a camera crew, and that'll work. And it worked. The big the big um, statue. Yeah, and yeah, that hilarious. Yeah. Go I ahead. Did that. Apparently, Sylvester Stallone made that statue for this movie, and then the city of Philadelphia said, "Hey, look, can we have your statue and put it up?" And they, and then did. Yeah, what well, was hilarious too? It, then it became a fight where it got to stay. Some people didn't. Uh, some purists didn't want it in front of the museum, so they moved it to the uh, sports arena where it was at for a long time. Then people wanted it moved back. Then when Rocky uh, shot another movie, they moved it back there, and they kept the. Enough people were like, no, it belongs in front of on the Rocky Steps because that's what they call them now, the Rocky Steps. So they kept it there for a while. And there's apparently two more statues they made, kind of for like extra shoots, reshoots that are like in different places around the world. But I mean, it's like it's you know, Rocky. You know, Sloan's not Sloan's a pretty smart guy. He's figuring out you know, memorability is important for like you know, marketing. It's like you can kind of see he's got the idea for Planet Hollywood already in the works. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I forgot that he was one of the Planet Hollywood people. And I... Oh, yeah. I, I used to joke that if you go to Planet Hollywood, you better be a fan of the movie Demolition Man because it's all Demolition Man. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's, it's down. like, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's Simon, it's Wesley Snipes and, uh, and uh, um, Sylvester Stallone, you know, um, outfits throughout that whole restaurant, no matter what you went to. Yeah, I can, I can believe that. The, the, but, the next sort of thing that I thought was weird was, you know, they, they, they killed off Mickey to kind of give Stallone no anchor, so he had to go to um, Apollo Creed to, to teach him. 
but um, but the the fact that Mickey was Jewish really kind of surprised me. Burgess Meredith is by no means a Jewish looking person, and as far as I know, they never made any reference to that until he died. Was there anything in Rocky One or Rocky Two about uh, uh, Mickey being Jewish? If you look, because he's always wearing Star David around his neck. That's about oh, is only. he okay? Yeah, he's he's always wearing Star David, and you know, Burgess Meredith. I saw a great interview where he they wrote him as like he uh, he had them do a little makeup thing on his nose where it looked like he'd had his nose broke from being you know like himself not being a successful boxer or been training people and occasionally it happened. You know, the idea is like a lot of the great trainers were were like these older Jewish retired boxers who didn't get that far into their careers, okay. so like they yeah, they I, they I were in, just... they're on the business side. I was just wondering if maybe Sylvester Stallone wanted a chance to mumble in Hebrew or something. And, and to be fair, I would mess up Hebrew. I, you know, but lie him. But, but that was yeah, like, like one of the worst minions ever. Is that you're, you know, when a Jewish man dies, he's supposed to have a thing called a minion with ten other Jewish men, and they. They certainly didn't have that. They had they had Rocky Balboa sort of mumbling in Hebrew. <laughs> I thought that was I thought that was strange. And then I thought, well, maybe Mickey is based on somebody who actually exists, but I don't think that's true. I don't think um, he was he's based loo- on He's loosely inspired by a couple you know, Rocky himself was based on Rocky Marciano, but also uh, Chuck Wetner, the uh, who literally was this unknown white boxer who got to face Ali in the early seventies, kind of as a in the same premise. It's like you, he just ran some guy because another boxing match fell through. So uh, Chuck Wetner is yeah. like the actual story for Rocky, but uh, the Mickey's kind of this mixture of uh, Ali's uh, trainer and a few others. Uh, Mar- like uh, Marciano had a, a Jewish trainer, I think. Um, I think some of like the uh, some of the characters in or in the in Raging Bull are inspired by some of the same characters too, right? Yeah, it's just the story of how like the boxing industry works in cities like Philadelphia and, and New York were very ghettoized in a way, but that's just kind of how the nature of the of the cities were. Right, and I, I, I wonder again. Like I said, there's, there's, there's a, there's a racial element in there. I think um, I read some stuff that was very, very stark. Looking at this, I wanted to go. Is this just me? And there were some people that were saying that like Rocky um, was a white supremacist. That he went, and then the only characters, want, you know, that that Apollo Creed was some sort of. Um, you know, an acceptable black person as opposed to Clubber Lang, who was the scary black person. I was like, that's 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 a bridge too far. I'm not willing to go there. No, but I do think that that, like I said, that that the, the show, the the movie becomes much more interesting if you look at it as Clubber Lang is the hero of this movie. Well, maybe maybe Thunderlips, maybe Thunderlips is the Thunderlips. Well, we got to talk about Thunderlips because this movie. <laughs> Responsible for literally the entire pro wrestling future, Cause, yeah. Because we got to bring so, but we kind of been dancing around the plot line, which is, you know, uh, Rocky's already won a few matches. He and the early on, he uh, in the movie he has a celebrity exhibition match against Thunderlips, the the wrestling champion played by a young 
Hulk Hogan, uh, and uh, which also was loosely based on a famous match that Ali had against uh, Antonio Noki, which Noki actually tried to. It was the there was supposed to be a hybrid boxing slash wrestling match, and right. you can look that up on online. Uh, you know, Noki just died a few months ago, and his uh, all of his famous matches are being studied now because of all the weird behind the scenes stuff he was involved in, like. The guy literally put on a pro wrestling event in North Korea in 1995 because he was trying to get political clout in Japan. Oh, that's funny. Oh, yeah. He had Rick Flair and Scott and the Steiner brothers go, go WCW go up there. It's a hilarious thing. Like, there's a great documentary on the dark side of the ring called Collision in Korea where they wrote, talk about all the nuttiness that happened in this. Like, they, the government, the United States government, did not authorize this, nor did they get act, nor did Japan authorize this. These guys just went on. A, <laughs> what's hilarious is the uh, and the story as it goes is they, um, the North Koreans agreed to this, and it's the most attended single sporting event ever because it was mandatory. People come. They had over like four hundred thousand in this arena, <laughs> and for they did two nights of wrestling, and they had to pick them up in this old World War Two era plane <laughs> because we did not have any, there was flights from anywhere to uh or airlines going to north korea well yeah you'd have to go into south korea and then go across the dmz v i would guess oh yeah though, though you couldn't even do that at the time the the borders between the was not even allowed they they north korea sent an old plane they had left over from the korean war to pick them up <laughs> hilarious yeah it's one of the strangest like of things that nobody knew about until like a few months later. Like, oh yeah, we filmed this, and here it is. You, you can buy it on pay per view. Collision in Korea. But uh, that's the things like these weird things were happening in the pro wrestling industry. Now we should also point out this is also the same time that uh, Sloan's writing this. Uh, Andy Kaufman is having his hilarious, famous feud with Jerry Lawler. So <clears throat> there's that oh, yeah. going on. So wrestling's getting this kind of weird cult fanaticism, but uh, so I looked into it. I was like, it's interesting. One of my best, the best lines in the movie is like, he says to Mickey, "Wonder what that guy eats," and he goes, "About two hundred ten pounds." And then in the announcement, yeah. weighing at two hundred ten and two pounds, Rocky. <laughs> I'm like, well, he also <laughs> said that Thunderlips was seven feet tall and actual, which is still exceptionally tall, but he's not. Well, seven that's feet. also pointing out the fact that Salone is. Not that tall. <laughs> so the idea was like, because uh, I, I, I checked in this. I, it was supposed to be Andre the Giant. He was supposed to be fighting. Who is seven feet tall. Yes. Andre, for whatever reason, Andre couldn't do it. And uh, Hulk Hogan had been his main me- nemesis during this time uh, when he was a bad guy before Hulkamania started. So that's how he got the part. And right. he was, you know, he was just available. He could do it. Uh, Andre apparently had a, a, a tour in Japan, so he couldn't do the shoot. So they hired him instead. And well, I, you know, I so, think yeah, that uh, Hulk Hogan is a much better casting choice than Andre. I mean, and we can uh, we can agree Andre himself is a great actor. I mean, oh, Princess Bride is like, yeah, Andre was a great, and he had done a fair share of like television, usually playing a monster. Like he he was an evil. Uh, Bigfoot fighting the Incredible Hulk once, like when you could, when he could get to, he would. But yeah, you know, in this case, well, I don't, think, I don't think Andre's as much of a heel as Thunderlips was. I don't know if, if Andre would have pulled off being a heel as well as Thunderlips did, because Hogan, you know, all the all the scenery chewing 
one could possibly ask for. <laughs> exactly. Right. That, and that's why he cast him. Apparently, Ric Flair was another option, but size-wise, that wasn't as, as uh, scary because he, he and uh, Stallone are close to the same height. So, But that is, they wanted somebody huge that would just look uh, just looked so different to Stallone. But that, you know, uh, so yeah, that's why he got cast. And, you know, a few months later, Stallone, uh, Hogan has left the WWF gone to the AWA and become a huge star there. Vince McMahon buys the WWF from his dad and then uh, hires Hulk Hogan back and makes him the big star and starts Hulkamania in 19, the beginning of 1984, literally getting as much thundery off this movie as he can. So this movie literally created so much stuff. And then when we get to WrestleMania in 1985, the main event is Hulk Hogan and Mr. T., Tag t- in a tag team match against Roddy Piper and Mr. Wonderful Paul Lorndorf. And oh, that's the, hilarious. This movie literally get, led to so many things. Like, if you know anything about They Live, John Carpenter had had no idea, plan to cast Roddy Piper in that part, but then he was watching, he and his kids got WrestleMania 3. He saw Roddy Piper and said, that's who should be in my movie. <laughs> he, he this fine. movie, the legacy of this movie is so crazy. <laughs> You know, we're about to hit next year's WrestleMania 40. It's like the thing that this movie created is so surreal just out of this film. And just for that alone, I've often said, like, you got to understand this movie changed so many things worldwide. It's like the the nature of boxing was, uh, I think, completely changed. And this movie was a huge hit. It wasn't the number one movie of 1983, of 1982, but it was definitely, you know, in the... um, uh, it was, I think it was like the third biggest movie, 82. Cause you know, there was this movie called ET. Oh yeah. That, 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 that did. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, that's why I think it's so fascinating. This movie was such a strange, like uh perfect storm. It had such a legacy. Uh, another thing I definitely think we should both talk about though, is uh, the montage. This is the great, some of the greatest sport montages ever. Where he's, where Rocky is fighting like the, 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 the heavyweight champion of Germany and is and in it. I lost you. What'd you say? That um, he was he they they showed the montage of him fighting all the different fighters, including the heavyweight champion of Germany, and then they had him on the Muppets, and they used actual footage from when um, Sylvester Stallone was on the Muppets. Yep. And I, I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah, and, and the, it was even weird, fun. They, uh, Jim Henson re-recorded it because he says it, you know, on the when he, it was Sylvester Stallone was the host, but he re-recorded it saying Rocky Balboa. So just for this, so it was like that's <laughs> so this is unofficially a Muppet movie too because Jim Henson performed new lines for Kermit in the film. <laughs> that's it, funny. Yeah, uh, and then of course we get the Eye of the Tiger montage where like them running on the beach. The <clears throat> you know Apollo's doing all his details to try to train uh, Rocky to get him back, get the fire in him, get him ready to take on you know for the rematch. Which you know it gets pointed out a couple times. You know Apollo first wants to promote it because he's like, "There's a lot of money, but he's like, I owe, I want a favor from you." And then we don't. We, at the very end, we get the uh, the after he's beaten Clubber Lang. By using a lot of Apollo's moves, which are that's literally what they do. Like they have him start dancing, they have him start going for the. It's you know, Clubber Lang can't win a long match. He can only he wins. He goes for quick knockouts. But if you can 
keep him on the ropes, he runs out of steam, which is how you beat Mike Tyson. That's how a bunch yep. of people beat Mike Tyson. If he although goes past five rounds, he loses. Although still, I think it was only a four-round match. No, yeah, it, it went to three rounds. And the first match only went to two rounds because as we, we, you know, we, we, we didn't really go that deep into it. Mickey has a heart attack as the match is starting. Which the, is uh, Rocky's out? That well, I, I wasn't I wasn't fighting a good enough match because Mickey was having a I was worried about Mickey having a heart attack. Like, well, that's yeah. that's key. It was like you know, yeah, Salone wrote that very carefully in there, so it didn't make Rocky a complete chump. But the reason he, he was a he lost is he just been he'd been like you know phoning in the the, uh, right, he, was, the he was distracted. Yeah, he, like your head's not in the game, and you know, um. <laughs> That's that's certainly that's certainly fair. If if some someone that I knew and cared about, you know, was had just collapsed in front of me, there's no way I'd be going out and trying to do something big and important like that. Yeah, and they point out, in the first two movies, Mickey's constantly telling him what to do in the match. Like he, Rocky's not a smart fighter. He Mickey was a great trainer, which is why right. you know Rocky was able to like. Because yeah, one the only time they, they even argue is at the end of Rocky, uh, toward the end of Rocky when they have to cut open his eye, do a cut job because he's like, I can't, you can't that eye. We're gonna have to call his match or eyes to, but no, cut. And he's like, all right, we'll do it. And it, you can almost, I rewatched that scene kind of just for comparison. Mickey almost goads him into saying to do it because he, he he's planning to do it, but he wants some Rocky. He wants Rocky to have, say we're gonna do it. He doesn't want to just do it on Rocky out his authorization and. I think that's another nice little detail. You see how smart Burgess Meredith plays him. So, you know, it's disappointing Mickey dies, but once again, it, it works for the plot line too. I, I agree. And, and you know, I, I, I can't see him and not think the penguin every so often. And so that's oh, like yeah. just an extra added bonus for someone as old as me. Yeah, they, <laughs> and, and, you know, that's part of the reason I think he got the part originally from Mickey's like they wanted somebody who could just have that kind of weird scratchy voice. I mean, Burgess Meredith's career would have been going on since the thirties. So he was a pretty, pretty big legend. I mean, like if you ever seen a vice and men with him and, uh, Lon Chaney Jr. It's like, he's great as a, you know, in that film. And like the whole reason that works is, you know, his size and, uh, um, Lon Chaney Jr. size are perfect for uh, uh, for uh, Lydia and Sam. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Burgess Meredith certainly doesn't need the work at the time he was doing Rocky. I think he was just having a good time. Yes, but yeah, I, I think that's. But yeah, I think at this point, you know, there's only so much more we can kind of cover on this. But we do get the great final shot, which is you know they after Rocky's won. He and uh, uh, Apollo are going to have their secret rematch. And then <laughs> immediately, rather than show the match, you just see them each hit each other. Uh, ironically, uh, identically, same time, we get the great, you know, fade into this cool uh, watercolor painting, which. Yeah. And I, I don't think they should have shown the match. I don't think that there's, there's anything to be gained of either side winning that fight. No. And the thing is, like, that becomes a plot point for Creed because that's one of the reasons that Rocky uh, realizes that uh, Adonis is actually his is a Apollo stomach because only a couple of people know about that fight. It's like it's the great secret match they had, right? And uh, so, yeah, that's a uh, you know fun little tidbit that Easter egg that used for when they made Creed, which you know once again Creed's a fantastic movie too. So it's yeah, and I'm just saying like. 
a lot of people have talked about is Creed the best sequel to Rocky? Yes, but it's a spinoff of Rocky. This is the best of the classic Rocky sequels. Far done. I mean, you know, when we get to Rocky Four where he defeats uh, Ivan Drago is far more disturbing villain, but it's like you know he, you know, he <laughs> Rocky basically wins the Cold War again because <laughs> well yeah, slowing up the Cold War in, in, in Rambo Two, so he's got to Rocky's got to win the social Cold War <laughs> in Rocky. II. Yeah, Dra- Drago was also one. Like I said, I, I think the Clubber Lang was kind of one note-ish, but there was there was more justification in there. For, like I said, he I, I got a real sense of Clubber Lang as a person, and I was surprised by that. And how much I really like was rooting for Clubber Lang in the movie, whereas Drago is just you know he's he's literally there just to get taken out. out. Yeah, he's, uh, he's literally a Russian weapon. I will break him. Um, you know, it's like you know, that's yeah, it's 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 that's like the greatest you know uh, world, the greatest Cold War propaganda movie ever made is the Rocky Four, but this is I'd say of the sequels, this is the best. Far better than Rocky Two. It's a thousand times better than Rocky Five, and you know Rocky Balboa was okay, but it's like this is it. I mean, if you want to talk, like, what's the best Rocky film? It's this one. Or best Rocky sequels, this one. But uh, right. let's go ahead and do our. Do you consider this a good movie or a bad movie? This was a good movie. Or and nerdy. I, and I'm movie. surprised. I don't think it was particularly nerdy. There might have been some boxing minutia. Um, my my favorite nerdy boxing minutia is that someone put forward that boxing is the only sport where if you took the um, athletes of the 20s or 30s, that they could compete head to head against the athletes of today. But that's 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 about it for nerdy. I thought it was a good movie and just just flat out good. I kind of actually lead toward nerdy because, like I said, all the weird stuff. Like, if you look at the legacy of this movie, this movie has such a strange, such a, like I said, for both the pro wrestling, but also the boxing industry. Because a lot, you know, the Mike Tyson, there's a lot of wrestlers, I mean, boxers that often get the clubber lane comparison. So it's it's right. such a, uh, I think this is a case, so I, but I agree, it's a good movie. It's like, you know, good with a bit, a nice taste of nerdy as well. So. Uh, all right. Well, uh, folks, this has been the Good, the Bad, Nerdy Movie Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed this. We've got a lot of new listeners lately, so thanks for joining on, especially if you are our new Spotify uh, listeners. Thanks for listening. Uh, please look us up on our Facebook group, Fans of Good, Bad, Nerdy Movie Podcast, and also on uh, you hit us up on Twitter, Good, Bad, Nerdy Movie Pod as well. Uh, John, thanks for doing this again. Oh, it was great. Thank you for having me. All right. All right, folks. I uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast, and please, please, please... <laughs> Don't let your brother-in-law smash uh, a wonderful uh, pinball machine. <laughs> Poor Polly. Polly, Polly, like is like. Oh yeah, or more importantly, just give Polly something to do all the time. Because <laughs> like, yeah. just break your own memorabilia. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. You thanks know. for listening. Thank Yo! you. <laughs> and by oh, well, folks, uh, our next as uh, continue our part three ch- uh, history, we're going to be doing. That's right. We're going to do something that I would say is long overdue. The Godfather, part three. Oh. <laughs> okay. When I thought, I thought they pulled me back in. <laughs> See you all next time. All right. Thanks, man. I'm going to try to post this uh, later this uh, couple of days from now. We've got a lot of new listeners. Like uh, last weekend, we had nine, uh, one day we had over 100 downloads at once. 
like we're just, I guess the algorithm for Spotify is getting us all these new listeners, so it's oh, nice. been really cool. Yeah. All right, thanks, though. Take yeah, care. Uh, well, I'll, I'll try to mess. Uh, like I said, we'll do Godfather 3, and then we'll do uh, Indiana Jones Last Crusade in a couple of weeks. That'll be good, too, yeah. All right, thanks. All right, bye.